Well, welcome to South Point. My name is Tanner. I'm on staff here. Glad that you've joined us in person or online. Uh, so uh, just a little bit about South Point. If you are new with us, we want everyone to experience God's unconditional love. So before we really dive into what we're doing today, just want to take a minute and uh, talk about uh, the recent uh, news drop. I don't know if you all have heard this from the CDC in Rhode Island Department of Health. Are you guys aware of this, or is this just me? Anyone? All right. So, uh, if you have not heard, uh, as of Tuesday, the mask mandate indoors for people who are fully vaccinated has been dropped. Okay. So you heard that right? Okay. So that's good. That that's that's good. So you may ask, well, how does this impact us? Well, let me, let me just kind of go back to where we have been and how we have approached this so far at South Point. There's a scripture in uh, the book of Romans, it's chapter 13, that talks about really submitting yourself to govern, governing authorities. We've tried to do that so far to the best of our ability. And really look out for the safety of others. This has been an others-focused uh, approach that we have sought to take. You know, Jesus, when he lays out the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, uh, and I think that what, how that impacts us right now is, and, and us as a, really everyone across this, probably this country and probably across uh, many, many nations, is people have different approaches to this. Uh, however you feel about masks, probably someone feels differently than you. There's no probably about it. Someone feels differently than you, right? And so you want to, to love them to the best of your ability. And, and that's a, the approach that we have tried to take up to this point. So uh, starting on May the 30th, here's what we're going to do. We're going to offer one service that is going to be a mask service and, and then one where it's going to be mask optional. And you may ask, well, why, why May 30th? Why, why, why this approach? Well, a couple of things. So one... May 30th, because next week we are having baptisms. Yes, yes, yeah, that's exciting. And, and then also child dedications. And so we realize there may be uh, many people here, many family members. We want to be as safe as possible. And then as far as uh, why still one mask service, uh, you may ask that question. Uh, and, and that is because there are, there are people who, and, and this may be you or may not be you. You may be on the opposite end of the spectrum. There are people who may not feel comfortable being around those who are not masked. And uh, if you look at our vision statement, which if you've been to South Point, you have heard basically every week, we want everyone, everyone to experience God's unconditional love. So that's, that's why we are taking this approach. So here in a couple weeks, uh, we're going to have one service that's going to be mask, one that's going to be mask optional. And know this, uh, I do not have a, uh, like a name tag that says vaccine monitor um, on my shirt. So this is going to be based on the honor system, okay? So just ask that you, that you approach this with others in mind. Uh, to me, one of the greatest challenges that the church, and I'm not just talking about South Point, churches in general will face through all of this and have faced, is the issue of unity. Everyone's staying together. Uh, because really we have to admit that when we approach anything here in church, 
that Jesus is the foundation of everything, that we all need this person of Jesus in our lives. And, and we say this, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, so we receive his, his love, his love first so that we can pass this on to others. Now, I just did a wedding on Friday, and I, I say a, a similar message really at, at most weddings that I do, and that the key to a healthy and a happy marriage is not where there's scorekeeping between both parties, where, where you're looking out for number one, where you're saying, you know what, well, I, I've got to look out for myself, because if I don't, who else will? You know, I, you know, I got to have my needs met, this, this, this. Because what that does is that leads to scorekeeping. It leads to grudges. But if everyone involved, if both parties in a relationship have this approach where they say, I, my goal is to put the other person first. <laughs> my goal is to put the other person first. If both parties are trying to be selfless, both parties are trying to put the other person first then you have the makings for a healthy and a happy marriage. And the same is true when we talk about unity in the church. But selflessness is key, okay? So what I'm going to do right now, after that, that whole talk, and, and I, remember, you, you probably entered this series, and some of you know this. You're like, ah, I don't have to hear Tanner preach for like six weeks. So I, that, that's my sermon. It's mostly done. All right. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read a scripture, a long scripture, and uh, when we read scripture, I realize we read something, the tendency may be for you to zone out. Be like, oh, okay, I can think about it. Don't zone out during scripture. Don't zone out during scripture. Listen to this. It is a great story. And this is part of the series that we are doing right now called I've Got a Story for You. We are reading encounters in the book of John where people met Jesus personally, experienced him personally. And then a person from South Point is going to share their story. So I'm going to read this scripture from John, the fourth chapter. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Talking about John the Baptist. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, listen to that. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, 
give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus' response to that is, go call your husband and come back. Uh, I have no husband, she replied. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I I can see that you are a prophet. Our our ancestors worshipped this mountain, but you Jews claim the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I The one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So to tell her story uh, today, I'm going to introduce Joanna. Uh, So Joanna, you can come up. Let me grab that music stand for you as well. Thanks. Welcome her. Thank you. I didn't trip up the stairs, so I'm doing all right so far. So for those of you who know me, I have a lot of anxiety. And so wearing a microphone while I had to go pee earlier was like the most anxiety-provoking thing I've ever had to do. But I made it through that, so I feel like I might get through my story. We'll see. My relationship with God hasn't always been a smooth one. There were years when I hated God and reveled when I saw a Christian make a wrong move or get caught doing something unholy. I was a hurt, confused, and angry person, but that wasn't always the case. I was raised a Christian, the youngest of five kids, in a home with strict rules and firm beliefs. I believed and trusted God with all of my heart, and I was so proud that I was a child of God, singing every hymn, reciting every verse, knowing every Bible story inside and out. I was never popular growing up and always struggled to fit in. I never quite felt like I belonged. I'm not sure if it was because our family was poor or because we were the -the over-the-top religious weirdos at school. I had very few friends and wanted desperately to be accepted. This started my lifelong struggle with never being good enough. On the outside, our family looked like a good Christian family, but there were secrets. I was being sexually abused by my father and another family member. Teachers at school noticed our behavior 
and child welfare was contacted multiple times. I promised myself that I'd never tell anyone for the fear that my family would break up. I was also terrified about what my dad would do if I ever told. Despite never telling anyone about the abuse, at the age of 16, my parents got divorced and my life fell apart. I felt so alone, became severely depressed, and felt that I had no reason to live. I felt God had abandoned me, and I grew hateful. How could he let all of this happen? Didn't he love me? Didn't I do everything a good Christian should? The more I told myself that God had turned his back on me, the more I wanted nothing to do with this God. In my early 20s, the truth came out about our family secrets. My father denied the abuse, and people believed him over me. This was absolutely devastating. Not only did I feel shame and guilt from the abuse, but now I was being called a liar. Feeling angry and lost, I stopped thinking about God and became very selfish. I felt like no one cared about me, so why should I care about myself or anyone else for that matter? I remember thinking that I deserved to have fun. I had been so good for so long and I deserved to do what I wanted. I realize now that I wanted so bad to feel special and to find where I belonged. I spent years in unhealthy, toxic relationships, making choices based on what others thought of me, searching for acceptance and love, even though I told myself that I was better than everyone else. My focus was on personal appearance, making money, my social life, which was centered around binge drinking, and doing the things that I thought made me fit in. I realized that I got attention if I dressed a certain way and if I looked and acted a certain way and began to use that to my advantage. I started bartending and got wrapped up in a cycle of drinking while I worked, waking up hungover, and doing it all over again. I felt so powerful knowing that I had people who wanted me and often lost friendships, lost respect, also that I could get that extra attention that I wanted. I felt special because people liked me, even if it was just for my appearance. And I remember getting so jealous if somebody else was the center of attention. I would get so jealous that I would talk bad about that person and even make up lies about them to make myself look better than them. I was so focused on being the prettiest, the smartest, the nicest, even if I was being nice for the wrong reasons. When I think about my life during this time, my priorities were all, were all wrong. My hopes and dreams included being a fitness model, making money, being liked. I felt so lonely most of the time because no one really knew who I was. On the outside, I pretended that things were wonderful. All the while, I was afraid that people would see who I really was. I was so scared that people would find out that I was molested, which in my mind made me dirty and ashamed. During this time, I had a lot of setbacks. Life wasn't easy, and I made some really bad decisions. Any challenge I faced was God's fault for abandoning me, or was my parents' fault for getting divorced. I blamed anyone and everything for things that went wrong, even if they were a result of the bad choices that I had made. I dropped out of my first year of college and blamed it on my roommates. I left the nursing program that I had worked so hard to get into because I wanted to bartend and be up all night with my friends. 
I totaled a car and blamed it on bad directions. I had worked so hard to not hold myself accountable. I blamed everyone else. I regretted making these choices, which led to feelings of failure. And then I drank to deal with these feelings of failure and again became suicidal. The constant thoughts of taking my own life and feeling like the world was better off without me made me realize that something was missing. I had finally gotten everything that I thought I wanted, and yet I was still unhappy, ashamed, and disgusted with myself. I thought about God often, but wasn't willing to give up the life that I was living. I finally hit rock bottom after I found out that I was pregnant. My boyfriend at the time threatened to commit suicide if I decided to have the baby. And despite the heartbreak I felt and the love that I had already had for my unborn baby, I had an abortion. I will regret this decision for the rest of my life. My life continued to spiral and I felt so guilty and ashamed. I found myself in an emotionally and physically abusive relationship that pushed me again into deep depression. I began drinking more and again became obsessed with being fit, getting attention, and looking better than everyone else. I felt that if I looked good on the outside, people wouldn't see the ugly underneath. I was still struggling to find where I belonged and I decided to get married. I told myself that this was a way to get my life back together, and I was so proud I was doing it without God. Before my wedding, I made the officiant rewrite our wedding vows three times to ensure that the word God wasn't mentioned. I didn't want God there, and I wanted everyone to know that I wasn't affiliated with God. Within six months of getting married, I got divorced, and again felt lost and alone. I had no idea who I was and struggled to find a reason to keep living. I look back now and think, how could anyone stand to be around me? I was selfish, angry, and I'd hurt so many people in my life. But God wasn't done with me. I was bartending by night, and by day I was working at a rehab facility. Yes, you heard that right. I was tasked with taking the clients to AA and NA meetings and found that I really enjoyed listening to the stories that I heard there. At the time, my judgmental, better-than-you mindset had me thinking, these people are way worse than me and God forgave them. But hearing the stories that people told at these meetings and seeing the freedom that they had made me feel like maybe my life didn't have to be so terrible. People talked about God as their higher power week after week and I remember feeling a change within myself. I wanted to hear more about God. It was like someone was telling me to wake up and remember the things that I had learned as a child. I knew that Jesus was the missing piece, but I was so afraid at what I'd have to give up. I wasn't ready to give up friends, money, bartending, and drinking. And truth be told, I wasn't ready to give up the attention that I got as a bartender. I was afraid of not being accepted by Christians, but was also afraid of not being special anymore. I started slowly, listening to Christian music and researching churches in the area. 
I noticed that I constantly felt this nudge to bring up Jesus or church in conversations. When I finally had the guts to bring up Jesus, I was surprised by people's reactions. They were noticing a change in me. And while some people didn't want me to change, the important people in my life encouraged it. I started going back to church, and I just dove into learning about who Jesus is. Hearing about Jesus as an adult was so different, and I could see myself in the stories of the people who Jesus chose to be around. I am one of the undesirables that people were shocked to see Jesus with. And I'm so thankful that he still chooses to seek and save the lost. I realize that God has always thought that I'm special. He accepted me even with all my sin and shame. He's had this amazing plan for me, and although I tried on my own and failed, he still loves me more than I could ever imagine. I fully committed my life to Jesus and was baptized in March of 2019. Since the birth of my son at the end of 2019, I've truly come to understand and appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus in such a different way. While I would do everything in my power to protect my son from pain, God used his power to send his only son as a sacrifice for us. God wants us in his family so bad that he gave up his son, Jesus, to die for me and you. And that's what unconditional love is. God has not only given me a second chance, but he's changed my heart. I was the person who talked so negatively about God and about other Christians. Now I live my life with purpose, sharing my story with others and letting them know about the grace and mercy that I have found in Jesus. I still struggle with comparing myself to others and seeking approval, but I constantly remind myself of where I came from, the life I used to live, and God's unfailing love for me. I know that I have made many bad decisions, but Jesus has shown me grace and compassion and blessed my life more than I ever deserved. Understanding that Jesus has forgiven me for my sins and accepting his forgiveness, although it has been difficult, has completely changed my life. Forgiveness has also changed my mindset about how I've been hurt. I've been able to forgive my father for hurts that I have been struggling with my entire life, which I never thought possible. Even though there are days when I still feel the weight of shame and depression, I know that I'm not alone. I used to spend most days thinking about how the world was better off without me, but God has given me hope that this life is worth living. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Those words have been a reminder for me that throughout the terrible things I've done and the terrible things that have been done to me, that Jesus has always been there, showing me that there's beauty on the other side. No matter how alone I felt and how much I've wanted to give up, he is there, and he will not let me go through this alone. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. It's the powerful grace of God.
right now we are going to get ready for communion. Uh, we do this each and every week. Uh, and this will also allow you an opportunity to, to let what you just heard sink in, uh, to pray, to reflect. And I think the power of sharing a story is that it often connects to, to your story, to my story. I'm going to read a brief scripture following up what happened when the woman at the well came back and shared her story. We continue on in John chapter 4. In verse 39, it said, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, believed in Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. They urged Jesus to stay with, with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. That the reason we take communion and why this moment matters so much and why we do this every week is because this man is the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of you and me that you can believe and God can move through someone else's story. But if you notice what the Samaritans said, they heard this for themselves. They themselves became convinced that Jesus was their Savior. And in this moment right now, that is what we are celebrating. And we, we will get up, move around, take the, the cup that has the the cracker and the juice to remember that his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us, that he is our savior and that he conquered death. And because of this, the light overcomes the darkness. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this moment that we get to celebrate together. God, we thank you. We praise you for your story as seen in Joanna's life. But God, we know that, uh, this is, that you are the main character of that story. Jesus, that you are the main character, even in our stories. I pray that in this moment, you help us be convinced for ourselves that we come to you and we have this approach. We don't want, we don't want you to leave, that we want you to stay. We sing that there's nothing better than you and we declare that right now we thank you for your sacrifice, and we thank you for the power that you demonstrated when you conquered death by your resurrection. And Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may stand up, move to the tables, and take communion, and we are going to sing about this light that overcomes darkness.